0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. said in John 15:1, I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you have brought us together again this week, that we can gather as a family to worship you, to open your word, to read the words that you wrote to us, to show us how to live as your children. So we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to your words this morning, that we'd hear from you and not from me. God, we give you this time for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're continuing our study in Philippians this morning with chapter 4, verses uh, 10 through 13. And that's uh, page 982 in the Pew Bibles, if that's helpful to you. And up on the screen as well. Paul is wrapping up his letter to the Philippians, the church in Philippi, um, and he begins to address the material support that the Lord had provided through the church. But good news for you, we're not going to talk about that today. Um, I think we'll deal with that more next week, and that's not a warning for you not to come. Um, But for this morning, we are going to try and get a handle on... um, a much more difficult concept um, than that. Um, that is the idea of contentment. So let's look at our text, Begin in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You are indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and in need. I can do all things through through him who strengthens me. I read that so many times in the NIV. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, Anyway. This is a uh, lousy timing uh, for this text. Um, I'm, oh, you know, this. Uh. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. I don't <laughs> want to talk about this. <laughs> I have a lot of complaints in the contentment. Hmm. I had to. Drive one of my complaints to church this morning. I'm making a lot of noise on the way here. I'm not sure if we're going to make it. Oh boy. Anyway. Your complaint wouldn't start this morning? Well, I guess it's not all bad. Anyway, we keep focus. Alright. Um, it's been a long tut in the church, uh, at least by example, I think that somehow poverty is a virtue. Um, no amens. <laughs> Yay, poor. Woo. We love it. Well, in recent years, this will make you more happy then, the teaching has become extremely popular that uh, prosperity is somehow the evidence of God's blessing. Hallelujah. <laughs> God must love me because I've got a lot of money and a big house and nice car and blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, we want to say hallelujah to that, don't we? But the truth is that both of these teachings are equally wrong. Um, Paul was grateful that the church had revived their concern for his provision, as it says in verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Um, that word there, revived, that Paul used, it means like a flower in a spring. Um, the, uh, in a spring, the flowers bloom. This is what that word means, uh, to bloom, uh, after, after a period of being dormant. Their concern for his uh, financial support had lain dormant like a tree in the winter, but now had come back to life in fragrant blooms. And up until this point, the church had no opportunity to express their concern in giving support to Paul. Uh, but whether it was through Epaphroditus or some other messenger, uh, they were finally able to send on their support to him. But again, I don't want to talk about that anymore. I'll just speak more on that next time. Paul says in verse 11, not that I am speak of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of, pl- of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. What a wonderful lesson Paul has learned. Contentment. And what an utterly foreign concept. Contentment. I can only speak for myself, but I think that I spend a great deal more time complaining than being content. Um, like I said, I drove my complaint to church this morning. Now whether um, it's our our job or our car or our house or our social status or our bank accounts, it it seems as if all we want is a little bit more. Remember John Rockefeller? He's, used be, he's dead now, but he used to be a very rich man. Right? Uh, we went to school in the Berkshires, and the Berkshires is littered with Rockefeller mansions, huge places. And he was once asked, how much is enough? How much money is enough money, Mr. Rockefeller? And he says, just a little bit more. Maybe it's just me. I'm the only one that feels that way. I'm not asking for a raise. I'm just saying that it's... Well, we just want a little bit more than we have. Um, John Calvin said, uh, For that man can never be poor in mind, who is satisfied with the lot which has been assigned to him by God. This, I think, is what we lose sight of. Um, whether it is, as Paul put it here, being brought low or abounding, facing plenty or facing hunger, facing abundance or facing need, we must first recognize that our lot in life is given to us by God our Father. So that means if you're rich, it's because He wants you to be rich. If you're poor, it's because He wants you to be poor. Now I'm not saying that our decisions don't come into play. They do, and he uses that to accomplish his purpose because he's smarter than we are. His ways are higher than ours. Um, this uh, old saying, they say, um, it's... Uh, sorry. I started out really good this morning. The old saying goes, It's our lot in life. It's not a lot, but it's our life. And to be content is to truly be satisfied by the lot which has been assigned to us by God. That's the secret to contentment, or one of part of it. Whether it's low or abounding, in plenty or in hunger, in abundance and need, to be content is to be satisfied with the lot we have been assigned by God. And we'd like to think, well, uh, I'd like a little bit better lot to be assigned by God, but you don't have it, so move on. You have what you have. We have a saying in our house, you get what you get and you don't get upset. Never works, but we say it. (laughs) (laughs) We say it, we say it, we say it. It's very tempting and very popular to think that either we're proving our faithfulness to God by our lack or that he is showing his approval by our abundance. And this is why I say these are wrong. It's not true. Is God love the rich man more than the poor man? No, Scripture says just the opposite. Don't, don't play favorites. Don't give the good seat to the rich man and make the poor man sit on the floor. All right? If we are persuaded that our affairs are regulated by the providence of God our Father, His will and His good pleasure, then we will not measure our sufficiency by our abundance or our faithfulness by our poverty. I must be doing good. I'm broke. Or God must really love me because i got more than enough. Those are not evidence. It's, It's just the lot we've been assigned. The prosperity gospel, which is very popular nowadays, says that if you give your life to Jesus, you simply have to believe for your new house or new car or new job, that God doesn't want you to be sick. You just you have to believe in him for healing and that all your wants will be filled and you'll have victory over your difficulties. Sound good, doesn't it? No wonder it's so popular. But it's not true. Paul must not have been a very good Christian then. Look at his life. By those standards, oh, well, you're a good Christian because you have a good job, good car, lots of money. Paul wrote this while chained to a Roman guard in a prison, right? Beaten, hungry. What a lousy jerk he must have been. Terrible. The true gospel says that if you give your life to Jesus, that it belongs to Him now, and you can trust Him to fill all your true needs for forgiveness and salvation, your need for adoption as a child of God, even if your difficulties, which are completely under God's control, lead to poverty, hunger, or even death. That's the truth. discontentment is what makes us ask why why Father God assigns to us the station or the spouse or the job or the home or the health condition that he did why do you do this to me good that's discontentment discontentment is distrust discontentment is a lack of faith discontentment is sin. Do you hear me? Good. But faith trusts the Father and embraces the assignment and relies on Christ for the strength to deal with it properly and in a way that is pleasing to God. And that's the secret to contentment. Paul said, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And the blessing is he didn't keep it a secret. He told us what it was. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret of contentment. Now, this is one of those fortune cookie verses in the book of Philippians that we have to be careful about because we can very easily take this out of context. Well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now I'm going to go jump off a building and trust that I can fly because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is it true? No. What are the all things that he's talking about? Hmm. This is not a promise that we can claim as we jump off that building. It's a declaration of trust. Trust in the Lord, knowing that whether we are facing abundance or need, it is he that assigns us to that station for his purpose and his glory. We can trust in his providence. We can trust that our Father has worked things out in advance to arrange circumstances and situations for the fulfilling of his purposes. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We can do all things through him who gives us strength, and apart from him, what can we do? Nothing. Sum total of zero. So whether you are a millionaire... Or a thousand error, or a hundred error, or an heir, or broke. Whether you are the CEO or in the stockade, you must first recognize that you are and will always be completely dependent on God the Father. Completely. But so we don't lose our comfort in God when we're hungry. And we don't lose sight of our dependence on God when we are full because we know that God is at work to will and do His good purpose, whether that means we got a lot or a little. We truly can do all things through Him who gives us strength because we know that it is He who assigns us our tasks and our stations. He who brought us to it will bring us through it I used to say, he who calls us to it will drag us through it. But the truth is still there, right? Sometimes that's how it is. You hear the old poem of the footprints in the sand? And the man sees a uh, set of footprints and then uh, two sets of footprints and then one set of footprints. And Jesus said, it's those times that I carried you. And then that long groove in the sand is where I dragged you, kicking and screaming. Sometimes that's the way it goes. But that's our discontentment that does all that kicking and screaming, isn't it? Hmm. This is what Jesus meant when he said to abide in me, to draw strength from him, to allow our character and our perspective to be defined by him so that we can be faithful branches, satisfied with our assignments and bearing fruit for his purposes. An apple tree can't decide, I don't like bearing apples anymore. I want to bear oranges. That's too bad. That's not the lot that you've been assigned. Just do the job you've been given and be content with that because apples are good. Oranges, you got to deal with peels. Yeah. For that man can never be poor in mind who is satisfied with the lot which has been assigned to him by God. That's the true secret of contentment, knowing that we can do whatever the Lord assigns with the strength that he provides, and we can trust him with the results. This is simple truth. I know there's not a lot of words, but I think that's important. Because discontentment is not faithfulness to God. That doesn't mean we can't be ambitious. It doesn't mean we can't work hard. It doesn't mean that we can't try to advance ourselves at work or on whatever situation that we're in. I, d- I hope you don't hear me say that. You know, I would be a terrible baseball coach. Well, just settle for second string. You're fine. You know, Be content. That's not what I mean at all. But there are so many things that are outside of our control um, that no amount of ambition can overcome. Um, I have allowed my own ambition to cause me a lot of trouble (laughs) in the course of my life, uh, and I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Uh, But we can trust that God is always at work, and whatever is happening in our life, it's because he is at work. We must not let our sin hinder what God has trying to accomplish in us and through us. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, I pray that your spirit would continue to speak. Um, feel like I'm not saying enough word Um, but Lord we trust you Um, I pray father that you would remind us of the secret of contentment is trusting that you have assigned us our station and you are at work in it even in a really short sermon you are still at work Father, I pray for those uh, who don't know you and don't know uh, the power of Christ at work in their lives. They can't be content because they don't know the one who has assigned them their lot and station. I pray, Father, if there's anyone here that does not know you as Savior and Lord, that they would give their hearts to you in faith, simply ask you for forgiveness and trust you with their lives. Lord, we trust you with this message. We pray that you would forgive us for be discontent. Forgive me. We know that you're in work in all things, whether it's a beat-up old car or a lousy job. But we know that you're at work, and we trust you. We know that you know better than us. So we pray, Father, that you would be glorified in the midst of our circumstances. That our trust in you would increase. That we would have no fear for tomorrow because we know that you hold it in the palm of your hand. Like the old song says, your eye is on a sparrow, and we know you watch us. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church. Post Office Box, 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.